Hello everyone, welcome to the New Humanist Podcast. I'm Damien, and this is episode 38, the third of part 6. The topic for today is the problem with Jesus Christ. Well, I guess a criticism or a critique of Christianity must entail a critique of its founder, the person who is at the center of the Christian faith, who is also a divine being. The problem with Christianity in relation to Jesus Christ is complicated, in the sense that at one level, the appeal of Christianity, okay, it's a driving force, it's, it's a global prominence, right, in the sense that the fact that Christianity has become a global religion, in many ways it lies in part due to the, the person of Christ, okay, the centrality of Jesus as a person, in many ways the humanity of Christ, and how that relates to the conception of God, or how God as a being is approached. Now, if, if that sounds confusing, since we're just starting out this episode, I think we're already sort of getting close to what the problem is. The problem with Christianity, i.e. its anti-humanistic character, supposedly, partly stems from our understanding of the person who is at the center of it all, Jesus Christ. The problem with Christianity, mainly in terms of how it doesn't seem to affirm or affirm sufficiently the need for human well-being in a more current, in a more real, in a more existential sense, okay, in a more earthly sense, in my view, comes down to our understanding of the role, function, and ultimately mission of this person called Jesus Christ. Now, the problem with Christianity broadly, in terms of it as a belief system, in terms of it as a religion, okay, in terms of it as a philosophy, one could say, a guidebook on how to live your life. And remember the distinction that I just made in terms of it being a religion and it being a belief system. That is important and it is something that I will engage going forward because those two things are not necessarily the same thing. The problem with Christianity with respect to its founder, with respect to the role of the founder, with respect to the character, the function, the mentality, the mission of the person we call Jesus Christ, and what he had to do, what he had to accomplish, and how that relates to the nature of the faith, okay, or how that contributed to the development of Christianity as a belief system, in terms of him as a person who is at the center of this new way towards the divine. There are problems and there are answers, there are solutions, but there are also obstacles. So. One of the things that I've affirmed in the course of this podcast is the need for a pro-religious perspective, okay? Humanism, in my perspective, is not a rejection of religion. It is not a rejection of God. It is not a rejection of the need for belief or the affirmation of the transcendental. These things are important, and these things need to be looked at in a positive light. When it comes to Christianity, in many ways, Christianity is a belief system, one which I am admittedly sympathetic towards, okay? Because that is, of course, my heritage, as I've said before, in a way that is good, okay, in a way that is, that is, how can I say this, there's something good about it, okay, in spite of everything, okay, there's something good in it, in spite of all the shortfalls and inadequacies that it carries, okay, and that is something that you and I need to affirm, okay, and that has been the position of mind when it comes to this question of humanism. Now, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, his centrality, okay, and this is important, this point needs to be affirmed at the start, in a way lends a hand to a humanistic view, Okay, because after all, in Christ, God becomes man, okay? God, who for much of human history was viewed as entirely separate from our reality, you know? There's the analogy of an old man looking over us in his high and mighty throne, high up in the clouds, quite distant and distinct and separate from our range of experiences. It now becomes a part of us in the person of Jesus Christ, okay? That is a good thing. In many ways, it affirms the human condition. It affirms our position in the world. Hey, God who is up there is now down here, okay, and that is a good thing. However, there are problems, okay? There are problems when it comes to how Christianity as a belief system has emerged, how it has evolved, how it has changed, what it has become, 
okay, in relation to the person we call Jesus Christ. The problem with Jesus Christ, simply put, again, this essentially works into the previous issue which I discussed in the last episode, is that we really don't know who Jesus Christ is. We don't. No one does. Okay. Again, we have the issue of sourcing, we have the issue about references, we have the issue about knowledgeability. Okay. This is besides the debate on whether we can prove Jesus Christ exists. That is a secular critique, which I don't want to get into here. But fundamentally, in terms of what we do know, in terms of what we do understand about what people think they know, let's put it that way, what we have is a very incomplete picture. What we have is a very inadequate picture. What we have is a very simplistic picture. Simplistic in the sense not that it is lacking in complexity and sophistication. As I mentioned in the last episode, the study of Christ is a huge subject area called Christology, which extends into many areas of study in terms of the metaphysics of who Jesus is. And also, one could even say the physics, right? Because Christ is a man in a physical sense. But also, he has two natures. There's a lot going on, let's put it that way. These things are significant, okay? But in spite of it all, we still know very little about him. And this brings us to the first problem when it comes to Jesus Christ. The problem with Jesus Christ, okay, that is how this issue, okay, of our knowledge or the lack thereof contributes to the problem of Christianity's anti-humanistic character, which is what I'm trying to argue in the course of this now seven episodes, pertains quite significantly in relation to the person of Jesus Christ. And the first problem, quite clearly, is that we really don't know much about him. Okay, we really don't. Going back to the earlier episode about knowledge of God, which oftentimes comes down to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which in turn comes down to our understanding of Scripture, which is where the life of Christ is laid out, supposedly. Okay, not it's not very clear, even at that level. And from that, we draw these conclusions about who Jesus is, what he did, what his life was like, what his mission is, what his purpose is, etc., etc. Even worse, what passes for our understanding of Jesus Christ tends to be very limited, even within the scriptural context. Okay, And this brings us to point number two. We know so little about Jesus Christ because so little is written about him. Okay, So little is known about him, even within what is the four Gospels uh, that are dedicated to Jesus Christ. But even then, when it comes to scripture, even within a scriptural framework, we are still left with the main problem, which is that oftentimes the person of Christ is approached within a limited purview, within the limited scope of scripture, scope of the Gospels, okay, the four Gospels, we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But beyond that, there's also relevant subjects that relate to this person we call Jesus Christ. Interestingly, not only in the New Testament, that is the writings of St. Paul, but also in the Old Testament, okay? Now, why is this significant? I'll get to that in a moment, but this is problem number two. So problem number one, we have very little information to go on. Outside of scripture, you know, there's very little on the person of Jesus Christ. That's the first problem, which means there's an information gap. We really don't know what we're talking about when we speak of Jesus Christ. Problem point two is that when we speak of Jesus Christ, even within a scriptural framework, oftentimes the reference point are the four Gospels. And the explication of the four Gospels, which is basically what you have in New Testament writing, which is mainly the works of St. Paul. St. Paul really is writing about Christ and the events that take place in the Gospels. And he's explaining that to everyone else. And that is basically the New Testament, vast majority of it. Problem point three is that tradition, okay? What have we come to think of Christ? Who do we think Jesus Christ is? Now, this again follows logically from the first two points. One, the lack of information, the lack of sources, the lack of, how can I say, ancillary points of reference, which can reinforce the main message that's found in Scripture, that's found in the four Gospels. Of course, we have these heretical, what do you call these other texts? I don't know what you call them, really. The unofficial text are the Gospel of Judas and Gospel of James and Gospel of all these other people, essentially you know, rip-offs of uh, plagiarizations. Of but outside of that, we have very little to go on, and that's a serious issue. Okay? And it becomes significant for a key reason, which I'll outline in a moment. 
And problem point two, which follows logically from the first, which is that even within Scripture, okay, the focus when it comes to the person of Christ tends to center around the four Gospels, okay, and what is found in the New Testament. We lack a historical reference, we lack a historical perspective when it comes to Christ, even within or purely within a scriptural framework, and that is also significant in a problematic way. Right, point number three, which is pretty straightforward now, is that since we know so little about Christ, since we know so little about him and whatever that is presented often is quite selective in his presentation, what has been handed down to us is a tradition, okay, a tradition-based understanding of who Christ is. Oftentimes, the structuring of our knowledge of the person is very much within a religious framework. It's very much, say, in the Catholic one, the one that I can refer to, is very, one could say a systematic one, but it's very particularistic, right? It basically is a sort of a certain formalization of who Christ is, okay? It's basically certain teachings, some doctrines, certain principles, and an emphasis on his teachings, or the, I would say very selective, and it really is a selective image of the person of Christ, okay? One who is presented in Scripture, and particularly one who is structured, who, whose image is presented as a vision, as in accordance to the worldview or the expectations of a select few individuals, notably the disciples and the apostles and so on, the people who are there during the start of the early church, okay? So in other words, we have a serious issue when it comes to Jesus Christ in that we don't know who he is. And what we do know about him, right, what we do understand about the person we call Jesus Christ is very selective. It is a tradition that has been handed down to us by people who conceptualize the person of Christ in their own way. You know, the idea that this is a secular critique, right, you know, God created man in his image, but ultimately it was man who created God in his image. Now, that critique oftentimes is used to, to delegitimize the view of God, to say that God is essentially a creation of the human mind. And in fact, that's a deep philosophical underpinning. I think it goes back to Feuerbach, I think. But there are other thinkers as well who have spoken about this. But keeping that principle in mind, not in an atheistic way, but even within a, how can I say, a somewhat permissible theistic framework. That is, even if one affirms the divinity of Christ, even if one affirms the importance and the significance of Christianity, even at that level, we see certain selective presentations, selective representations of this person we call Christ in terms of his role, in terms of his function, in terms of his mission to this world, okay? And there are many problems that emerge. Again, mainly because of these three reasons. One, we don't know much about him in terms of sources, besides scripture, besides the gospels. What we know of Christ within scripture has been selective in its presentation, notably it's been the New Testament, notably it's been the four gospels, or more specifically, it is the interpretation of scripture, the interpretation of the four gospels provided by people like St. Paul. Paul is really the governing authority. It's, it's his hermeneutic, one could say, that that has been handed down. And that tradition is simplistic. It's that tradition of a Pauline understanding of Christ is in many ways, I would argue, is reductive. Not that it is wrong, not that it should be disregarded, not that we should reject St. Paul out of hand, or by extension the scripture, because it's saying it's someone else's interpretation. But it is to suggest that we need to have a more comprehensive understanding of him. And that is not being forthcoming. Which brings us to point number three, which is that the tradition that has been handed down to us has been very selective, has been very particular. Okay, essentially, what we have is a, a historical or a tradition-based understanding that has not changed, that has not evolved, okay, that has not been tuned to the expectations or to tuned or brought up to date to the modern era. Okay, and this is not a question of relativism, right? This is not a question about we have these, you know, cynical representations of Christ. You know, he's like this multicultural figure. He's like this non-European figure, you know, people trying to present him as, you know, I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics, that might sound offensive, but you know, if you watch, uh, what was the movie, 21 Jump Street, right, the movie, and uh, the first scene where it was Ice Cube, right, and there's this statue of Jesus Christ, and it's a Korean version. Jesus, <laughs> who's there, is not European, he has a certain Eastern or Oriental looks, right. Now, I can get into that deeper, but I think the listener might, might have an idea where I'm going with this, in the sense that 
the idea of Christ being someone else and the ways of looking at it, that he's some kind of a liberative figure. In fact, maybe there's some truth to it, who knows? But my point is that our understanding of Christ needs to be more elaborate. It needs to be more expansive. It needs to be more comprehensive, okay? Not just in this kind of multicultural kind of relativizing sense, but in a deeper, in a more theologically sophisticated, in a more intellectually systematized way. A lot of the times that is, frankly, none of the times, that is not on show, that is not available to us, okay? And these are problems we have to consider. Why? Because they relate to the question of humanism. One of the problems we have with Christianity, one of the problems I've identified, okay, and that's partly a key aim of this, the New Humanist Podcast, is to, to shed light on the problems with religion, notably Christianity, in terms of how it does not lend a hand to the humanistic question. One which I've argued, as I've mentioned uh, throughout this podcast, is the importance of human well-being, the question of human betterment, the question of human happiness in an earthly, in a material, in a relational, in a sensual, in an existential sense. Those questions need to be affirmed and respected. And Christianity as a force, certainly, as far as I can understand, in more recent times, has not affirmed that principle, okay? Has not really placed adequate emphasis on it, okay? Much of that has regressed into this sort of a moralistic, puritanical enterprise, okay? It's about helping people be moral and, and asexual and, you know, trying to make everyone good, you know, this ridiculous emphasis on chastity and, and purity and virginity, which in many ways has, has utterly backfired. Of course, there are people out there, you know, who are Christian, whose character sort of connects with those kinds of things. This is something I've spoken about. I'll get into these topics a little deeper at a later time, but Christianity really has to be about human betterment, and that particularly, at a functional level, entails working through human weaknesses, working through human shortfalls, working through the evils of this world. You know, I mean, heck, we live in a world where there are terrorists who would blow you up if they got the chance, okay? There are people who traffic in human life. There are people who, you know, destroy nations if they were given the freedom. There are those kinds of people out there who would, I don't want to talk about the virus now, but can see where it can happen in this world. In that kind of reality, you had to ask yourself the question, what is the role of the Christian? What is the function of our faith in Christ if one is to have such a faith? If it's just a question about going to heaven and, and trying to be good so that God will, you know, not send you to hell, which is what Christianity has devolved into today in many respects, then we can see there's a problem not just with the evangelical activity. This is something I engaged in a previous episode, right? the problem with Christian evangelization. Rather, it is the inability of the belief system to come to terms with the expectations, the goals and the objectives of man in the modern world. Why is that? Why has it come to this? Why Christianity or the faith in God as a reality, as a practice, not adapted itself, not become attuned to the expectations of man in a more earthly sense? Think about it, right? Why do we live? Why do we want to live? What do we do? How do we spend our time? What are our expectations? What are our objectives? What do we want to do and achieve and accomplish in this world? And then ask yourself, what does the Christian faith has to offer when it comes to those questions? Besides telling us you know, about morals and ethics, okay? You know, telling us that we should respect life, about objective morals, are fine. That part, actually, I'm sympathetic towards, but really at a practical level, it has little to offer. It seems, it seems. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but there has been a case of, of selective emphasis. And this needs to change, right? This needs to improve, and this cannot go on currently. And the reason for that, the reasons that I've contributed to this reality, that is, why Christianity has become a belief system, that doesn't seem to affirm the humanistic principle, that which, which I've outlined as one that corresponds to human well-being in all those levels, materially, sensually, existentially, in terms of objectives, and also one could essentially integrate that into a Maslowian framework of hierarchies, right, of hierarchy of needs, of the human mind to aspire after greater things. These things have to somehow fit in or fit within a Christian framework. More pertinently, a Christian worldview needs to integrate well into this worldview, which is what we as human beings have come to adopt and embrace. So... Why has this come to pass? Why? Now, I've sort of laid out sort of two broad perspectives when it comes to the Christian worldview in terms of its problems with respect to Jesus Christ and some of the concerns of the secular mind, of 
a humanistic mind. I'm not a fan of the word secular because it seems to impinge on atheism. But anyway, the concerns of the humanistic mind, the new humanist, who was concerned about man's well-being materially and spiritually, okay? Because spirit is a much broader concept. It's not just about being religious. It's not just about trying to take care of your soul, which is essentially a platonic ghost in the machine analogy, which I don't think is entirely accurate, although it has some truth to it. The point is, human life is special, right? Human life is valuable. And that, in a way, stems from the Christian view, and this is interesting, that man is made special by God, or more specifically, by God becoming man, the human condition has been uplifted. Okay? But the problem is this. What comes next? Okay? What follows from this affirmation? What has happened when it comes to Christianity? We've gotten stuck. The belief system has gotten stuck on this view about God, Christ, has not really evolved from that position. And there are a few reasons as to why that's the case. And those reasons are, again, I've basically outlined them here already. One, in relation to Jesus Christ, let's make this clear, the problem with Christianity in relation to the person of Jesus Christ. That is the focus of this episode and how that connects with the problem with humanism. So the problem here, what is the problem? The problem is basically Christianity as a belief system does not seem to lend a hand to the humanistic question because we don't understand who Jesus Christ is, basically. Okay, and let's start with the problem point one. Why don't we understand him? Why don't we know him? Who is Jesus Christ? I mean, this sort of reminds me of this, uh, this episode, I don't know what you call it really, Anyway, it's basically a video of Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham is a famous American preacher, very popular in the United States. He lived till he was 99. I think his son, Franklin Graham, is still in ministry. And yeah, he spoke at President Trump's inauguration. It's like an age ago now. Anyway, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham in this case, right? There's a video of him. And he's a very popular preacher. I think that was one time he was like the most popular Christian, I don't know, missionary or Christian, I don't know, the evangelizers in the world. Like he went at once in an audience with the Queen, if I'm not mistaken. And I was watching this video of him talking about Jesus. Some of you may have. You, you can find this on YouTube, I think. It's still there, I think. Who is Jesus, right? And he goes on, you know, about, you know, who Jesus Christ is and so on. It was very, like, let me just say this. I mean, he has a way of speaking. He's quite persuasive, right? He has an authority. I think a lot of these evangelists have that ability. And in fact, I'll tell you something, right? This is kind of weird. Maybe it's out of place. But I'll hey, this is the new humanist. So there's some room for humor. I once reading a book by person called Dan Simmons, right? Dan Simmons is one of my favorite writers because uh, he wrote the Hyperion Cantos, amazing uh, science fiction series. So the first two books are amazing. Anyway, he also wrote another book, a horror book basically, right? Titled uh, Carry and Comfort, okay? Which is basically about mind vampires. It's vampires that feed on human emotions and they control your mind and they feed off whatever that goes on in your head, right? And they can, of course, destroy you because they're very awful. And he makes a supposition that, of course, is speculative, that a lot of these people, the powerful people in the world are like mind-controlling vampires. And one of them apparently is a Christian evangelist. But anyway, that's that's for the listener to consider. Dan Simmons, great writer. I don't find much about him on the internet. I don't know what happened to him. But anyway, the point here is this. Franklin Graham, Billy Graham, right? He's the one, the big Christian preacher. And he's very popular. I don't mean that in a disrespect. I'm not saying that Billy Graham is a mind vampire, folks, just in case someone's listening to this from the United States. The thing is, Billy Graham was good. He's very popular. A lot of people came to listen to him. But that time has sort of passed, one could say. But in this speech, right? He talks about Jesus. Who is Jesus? And he goes on about Jesus, this and Jesus, that. And it's a quite a long speech. What I sensed listening to it, okay, the impression that I got was that, I don't know how to say this, I mean, I dare not say this, but because he's such an important person, it seemed to lack sophistication. It seemed to lack depth in the sense that, I mean, I don't know what his academic background is, but I'm guessing he has a degree in divinity or theology, maybe, I don't know. But my impression was that it lacked, for the lack of a better word, theological substance. Who is Jesus Christ fundamentally? What is the ontology of Christ? What is his relationship with the Trinity? Who is Christ in terms of his being? What happens when Christ comes into this world? Who was Jesus Christ before he came into this world? I mean, these are pertinent questions, is it not? And these questions don't get addressed, okay? He doesn't really speak about the nature of Christ, okay? Who was Jesus before creation? Who was Jesus at the moment of creation? Now, again, I'm not saying this to criticize. I'm not saying that, oh, he should have spoken about these things. 
but rather Mr. Billy Graham's speech came across as, uh, or should I say Reverend Billy Graham's speech, came across as very rhetorical, for the lack of a better word. At one point he mentioned that Jesus Christ is not, you know, European or he's not white. I don't know, maybe, you know, he's from the Middle East. But anyway, the point being, our understanding of Christ is quite, dare I say, superficial. Okay, we're not getting into the, the meat of it all. Even within the scriptural framework, I mean, that's a different topic altogether. When it comes to Christ, okay, we need to learn about him. We need to know who he is. We need to know, understand his functions. And the problem is that we don't have adequate information. Okay, one, even within scripture, a lot of information out there which people are not citing, they're not considering. Okay, instead they're just talking loosely about what they think Jesus Christ is, who Jesus Christ is, or who he is, or what his mission is. And let's be real about this, folks. All of us have an understanding of who Jesus is as a person. And we think, oh, he's the, the good shepherd, the, the author of life. The author of life is a good one, actually, but there's more to it than that. He's the person who forgives, he's the teacher, he's the master, okay, etc., etc. But who is Christ, really? What is his role? What is his function? I'm drawing attention to this point just to get the listener to think. We don't know much about Christ. What we do know about him is essentially a presentation. It is a conceptualization of that person as it's been handed down to us by a certain tradition and in turn its own understanding being present in scripture, which is like the four gospels, and that doesn't tell us much. And in fact, there's been a serious critique, a theological critique of this, which I can't get into here. Notable theologians, or there's one theologian in particular whose name I cannot mention now, who's looked into this very seriously, and the critique of Christianity from that perspective is very profound. It makes you essentially reevaluate re everything you know, you think you know about the Christian faith. Now, understand this, folks. Why is this important? From a, from a secular perspective, it's like, who the hell cares? Who cares if Christ is real, if Christ even existed? Okay, I mean, ideally, I guess from an atheistic perspective, one could just dismiss the argument and say, you know what? Christ never existed. Christopher Agents, I think, once made this speculation to this view or the Christ may have existed mainly because of the lack of sources within secular historical tradition. Leaving that aside, as we're essentially working within a Christian framework, okay, and that's been the critical aspect of this podcast, which is to work through religion, to work through the positives of religious systems, okay, and try to come up with something good, something that's positive, okay, something that's beneficial to the question of human betterment that we are seeking. Now, when it comes to Christianity in this context, okay, the first problem is that we don't have enough information. We just don't. The Gospels themselves say very little about the life of Christ. You know, the Gospel itself, I mean, the four Gospels are the three synaptics and the Gospel of John. They're basically a collection of events. They outline aspects of Christ's life. Births, he's growing up with some information here and there. And then they move quickly to the mission and then they have it as an extended passion narrative. The Bible really doesn't tell us who Jesus Christ is. It's very limited in its presentation, okay? It's not like, say, other biographical works in the Bible, like for example, the book of Samuel, Samuel 1, certainly Samuel 1 and 2, lives of Samuel saw, but critically that of King David, okay? And that is very, it's quite comprehensive. The Gospels don't do that, okay? They don't really tell us who Jesus is. It has a very missionary focus, understandably. But that itself is a problem. Not that it's a problem necessarily in that it delegitimizes the validity of the Christian faith. That is a separate question, but rather it raises questions on what we think we know about the Christian faith. Do we know what the function of Christ is? Do we, do we know who Jesus is? Do we know what his real mission? Do we know what kind of life he led? I mean, just to go back to the example about the lack of information in Scripture, okay? Bible basically gives us this narrative account of his birth, a elongated one. And then it sort of moves quickly into circumcision, early, sort of the early months, I think. And then you basically quickly move to his uh, adolescence, where there's one example of him, 12 or something, and his parents lose him in the church. And then suddenly they find him later, and then he's talking to people in the church and so on. That's just one example. Okay, and after that, there's no information. He basically had to fast forward into his uh, 30s, right, when he begins his mission. Again, we don't know who he is. We don't know what kind of life he led, what kind of man he was, what kind of religion he had, what he didn't, what kind of religion that he did not have. We're basically meant to assume that, you know, he lived a, I don't know, a hermit-like life. We don't know. 
okay, essentially, and that means our notion of who Christ is needs to be evaluated, it needs to be rethought, there needs to be some kind of rethinking when it comes to understanding Christ. Because oftentimes, going back to, again, this is point two, basically, is that what we know of Christ is a traditional understanding or a tradition-based understanding. Now, this is not to say this is a wrong way that we should disregard it, but it is inadequate, it is a woefully inadequate, and this is a problem for us to consider. Right, and I mean, just one, one other point when it comes to the paucity of information when it comes to Christ in Scripture is the mission itself. I mean, the Gospels, again, they focus on the mission of Christ, but that itself is quite, it's not very, well, it's not long, right? Passion takes prominence, right? It's quite a lot of emphasis on, on the death of Christ and the events leading up to it. So clearly the presentation of Christ is very selective. And the people who wrote the Bible, it seems to me, had this in mind, or they were inspired in many ways. But I assume they chose to present only certain parts which they felt were worth putting in. The parts that were inspired were selective, if that makes sense. And again, going back to the question about his life, we don't know what kind of life Christ led. Did he have a job? Did he go out? Did he have relationships? None of that, okay? And again, I'm not saying this to delegitimize the faith, but it raises serious questions. Point number two, the question of tradition. And this, again, follows logically from the first. I'm essentially elaborating this in case you're wondering why I'm revisiting these points, is that we don't know much about Christ, yes, but what we do know is essentially an interpretation of events that have been laid out in Scripture particularly the New Testament, okay? This is for those people who might read the Bible, who might know a little bit about Christianity, maybe those who have come from the Christian background or who have a Christian heritage and are sort of cynical about the current state of affairs within this church. One of the problems we have with Christianity is that its presentation of Christ is very selective, okay? It's a very New Testament-centric Christ. But in fact, when we look at Christ as a person, okay, he is not a human being, okay? He is not just a person, okay, who lived 2,000 years ago, okay? In fact, he's not even somebody who suddenly came onto the scene following the virgin birth. I mean, if you look at the metaphysics of Christianity, Jesus Christ is God because he's the second member of the Trinity. And what that means is that he exists eternally with the Father, okay? I know that sounds a bit much, especially if you're an atheist. Again, you, you can disregard this if you don't like to hear it. But point is that Christ does not suddenly show up 2,000 years ago. He's not someone who suddenly, you know, became important in history because he lived in Judea 2,000 years ago and he preached about love and brotherhood and he was, you know, he, he talked about sacrifice and he was, you know, willing to serve and go down and help people go down to the lower levels and, and not think of himself as God and king and all those things. Fine, those we know, but there's much more to the person of Christ. Who is he? What is he? Okay, what was his mission before he became man? What was his function within the divine framework? These are much bigger questions which need to be addressed. Or rather, they need to be asked. We need, so we need to ask these questions as who Christ is. That does not happen. Instead, what we have is a simplistic understanding of Christ as this, you know, the good shepherd, the person who cares, the person who talks against the evils of materialism, right? The person who talks about, you know, helping the poor, healing the sick, blah, blah, blah. Dare I say, these are important, but no question. But it's become so tautological that the image of Christ that has been handed down to us is very simplistic, it's very reductive. Critically in this regard is our need to understand Christ in a more holistic way, critically from the perspective of the entirety of Scripture. I mean, think about this, folks. For those who are into theology and stuff, Christ was there at the moment of creation. When God created the world, he created the world through Christ. That's why he's called the author of life, okay? The creative power of God manifests through the word, and the word is Jesus Christ. So he's the embodiment of God's word. Vis-a-vis, -vis, he's God himself. Really complex stuff. How do we understand all this? How do we integrate all this into our way of life? How do we come to terms with this power? I mean, think about this. There's so much going on. And then within the Christian framework, we have the conception of the death of Christ. Christ dies for us and he destroys himself. He destroys death. And then he becomes a part of us. Because this is when the Eucharist, certainly in the Catholic framework, you may think it's weird. I know people criticize it. But we essentially consume God himself. What does that even mean? Is it there so that we have Christ in us so he helps us go to heaven? What does it mean to purify our sins? 
What does it mean to redeem us? These are great questions. These are huge questions. And the fact is, we don't know how to answer them. We don't even know what these questions even mean. There's so much to it. My point here, listen, what I'm trying to get at here, to sort of move away from this highly simplistic, highly reductive notion of Christ as the redeemer of man. He came into this world to die for our sins so that we believe in him and then God will send us to heaven, right? Because we believe in Jesus Christ, right? Or because we partake in the Eucharist or because we, we go to confession or we had extreme unction before, you know, before the time comes. Okay, these things are significant. These are sort of the functional aspects of religion. Okay, you can look at this from a deeper perspective. But the point is that there's more to the redemptive role of Christ. There's more to the redemptive act of Christ. Christian redemption from Christ comes via his coming. So when God becomes man, that itself is an act of redemption. God comes down to us and then he lifts us up to a higher level. There's much, much more to this, okay, than just I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, right? I give my life to Jesus. This kind of boilerplate, intellectually unsophisticated presentation of Christ and his meaning and mission and what that means to us needs to change. It needs to stop, I would say, as a start, okay? Now, what we have here, what is being handed down to this tradition based on understanding of Christ, essentially question of a confessional position and which is you believe in christ you affirm his reality and then everything else happens afterwards and then you sort of support that with religious rituals and practices and so on that is not enough that is not adequate okay it's got to be more to it than that especially in light of man's aspirations man's desires man's wants okay think about this folks you know we want things it's not because they're bad we want them because they're good we want to perceive, we want to succeed, we want to persevere, we want to reach greater heights. People want to do things. Even if they're immoral, there's something good in them. And this is something I'll engage later on, of course, of this podcast. There's something about human life that is seeking better things, greater things. And that impulse is not a bad thing. Even if in times is characterized by hubris and arrogance, okay? This is important because it brings us to point number three. What is the role of Jesus Christ? What is the function of the Christ, more pertinent? What was he here for? And that is a much deeper question especially in light of the events today in the world around us, right? We see the secularization of Europe. We see the decline of religion, decline of Christianity in America, okay? We see the secularization of broadly, not only in an institutional sense, but really the people's alienation with the conception of God and religion, okay? We see also the rise of Islam. Islam's growth has been relentless. This is something I'm going to speak of going forward. Why is Islam growing? The death of religion is the future. If we're all going to secularize, then why is Islam becoming such a prominent force? Even if Islam is going to decline at some point, it wouldn't happen until it asserts itself, I think, culturally, maybe even institutionally, on the West. Watching this movie today, a movie about uh, basically America's involvement in the Middle East, trying to stop terrorists and so on, right? It came out in 2005. This is during the you know, Iraq war, Afghan war time. The height of those conflicts. I think America's pulling out of Afghanistan. This news was coming out. You know, Biden is pulling American soldiers out of uh, those conflict areas after many years, right? The point is, at the time, we look back to the, I don't know, mid 2000s you know, the 2000s were like, oh, America and the West was the you know evils of uh, radical Islam and maybe even the Islamic world. I don't know. Maybe the whole thing was perceived as bad. But now we don't really hear that as often. My point is, uh, listener, that Islam today is more influential you know, in spite of everything. It's growing. It's becoming stronger and with the immigration and so on. What is happening to the Christian faith in that sense? Okay. What is happening to the West more pertinently? And this is something we have to ask ourselves. So the problem is twofold because Christianity at one level has not, it's not become desirable. It's not amenable. To Western sensibilities when it comes to their own aspirations, our own aspirations. But at the same time, it has not made inroads into other areas, right, where the religious sense is strong. Okay, say in Africa, people are very religious, but it is not making itself heard or strongly present there. Islam is growing pretty fast. Of course, it's growing in other parts. Well, my point is, listener, that there's more to the question of Jesus Christ in terms of his mission. The effects of the mission of Christ, his redemptive mission, is much more complicated, and we don't understand it. We don't know what that is. Besides, this highly simplistic, highly reductive, and in fact, I think in many ways, somewhat misguided notion of Jesus the Redeemer. 
he came to die for our sins, so we believe in him and he'll save us. This is very infantile. This is this is kindergarten stuff, frankly, okay? And we really need to move forward from this. We need to bring Christianity up to date, so to speak. We need to evolve it to make it more right, make it right with the modern world. And that is not a question of relativism. It's not just about, you know, making Christ more diverse or, you know, incorporating multicultural things. I, mean, I don't want to get into the specifics. I'll get in trouble because I can't speak of things like race here. But even Christ is a sort of economic liberator. There's some Marxist interpretations as well, if you want to get into, you know, Jesus Christ says, you know, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and people, you know, having communistic views imposed on scripture. I mean, to be honest, you can't really blame them because it's lack of a serious interpretive tradition. Catholic just has, has its system, but outside of it, there's nothing universal when it comes to Christianity as a whole. My point here, listeners, is that we need something systematic. We need something more wholesome, more, something more comprehensive, one that is able to align Christianity in a more humanistic way. Because currently, we're not getting it. We're not seeing Christianity growing and with good reason because it is not humanistic in its character, in its functional outlook, okay? Because what has been presented to us about the life of Christ, about the person of Christ is very scriptural, okay? It's very selective. It's very New Testament-ish. Take the simple example. The person of Christ is problematic for many reasons. Let's take this as an example. I'm going to close this episode now in a moment. He said the person of Christ in scripture, you see, what does he do? I mean, outside of his mission, he doesn't do much, okay? He never had a job, okay? He never had a proper academic career. I don't know what he did. I mean, of course, he was pretty smart. As I mentioned, he was quite versed in the you know, intellectual tradition. Okay, but what did he do with it? Was he a teacher? Did he hold a steady job? Did he make money? Did he own a house? Did he start a business? Or did he own lands? Did he sign up for the military? Did he go to war? Did he have relationships with women? Did he go out? Did he have a kid? This is that we're getting into the Da Vinci Code territory, folks. My point is, listener, these things are pertinent questions, okay? This is not something we can just simply dismiss and say, oh, you know, it didn't happen or it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. How can you relate to someone like Jesus Christ, especially if you're a man? I mean, think about it, right? If you're a man, okay, how can you relate to someone like Christ when he doesn't do any of these things? He doesn't go out, he doesn't, there's no relationship between him and women. I mean, unlike someone like King David or something, you know, he has a thing going on. And what are we supposed to do with this person? Other than the fact that he went around telling people how to live and perform miracles. And well, those are godlike stuff, right? I mean, that, that's a different story, okay? But of course, he was a provider. That's a, probably a good thing. You know, he, he fed, you know, fed the 5,000, healed the sick. Again, the, the focus is so simplistic. We're talking about the miraculous the supernatural, the divine character of Christ, and that's fine, but it is not enough. It is not good enough, simply because for the fact is, Jesus is not with us anymore. You look around, you don't see Jesus Christ. He's not among us. You can't expect Jesus to come and perform miracles. You can't expect Jesus to come and, you know, walk on water or bring a dead 15-year-old girl back to life or a dead man who's been buried for three days back from the grave. You can't expect that to happen, okay? He's not with us. Now, this is not to say this probably is not present. I'm speaking from a Christian perspective, but it is to suggest that we need to look at this more critically. It's not good enough for us to go over these examples and say, oh, Jesus is this, and like, you know, going back to Billy Graham. Okay, Jesus who? I mean, I, I don't care, frankly. Okay, I don't care that these things, I'm saying that with all due respect, because the fact is, he's not there. And it's too simplistic. There is no functional relation. You know about Jesus, but how do I know Jesus is doing it? How do I know Jesus is working? How do I know Jesus is even real? And these are legitimate secular questions, which Christians or people of faith, or in this case as a humanist, I have to consider. Because if I am to integrate these two worldviews together, of a secular one, of a man-centered one, with a God-affirming one, there has to be some kind of a link, okay? And that link, in my view, what I can understand, will come from a deeper, more sophisticated, more wholesome, more comprehensive understanding, study, explication, and ultimately learning and realization of the mission of the person we call Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All right, folks, this is the New Humanist Podcast. This is episode 38, third of part six, and see you guys next time.